Welcome to the Companion Chapel Everyday Bible Study Broadcast. My name is Mike, coming to you from the Great Lakes area of beautiful Ontario, Canada, on this gorgeous Friday, July 28th, 2023. Coming right up, it is the Book of John, Chapter 8. You don't want to miss this. We'll be talking about what forgiveness is and what repentance is, and we're going to see the difference between the lead clergy and our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's get right down into it, but please first consider your part in the many-membered body of Christ. The Companion Chapel is a registered nonprofit ministry. You are invited to partner with the Companion Chapel to help me reach out to a hurting world with the message of Christ's love. Who God gives much to, he expects much in return. We have to consider the whole human family, race, the color of your skin, gender, is irrelevant. We're all God's children. We're all part of the human family. Consider the affairs of time, infinity back, infinity forward, and this little short flesh age. We have about 100 years or less to, to sacrifice for each other, to take care of each other, to come to an understanding of each other, and to come to terms with what's inside of us that is not conducive to a place of peace beyond our present comprehension because there is nothing more important than where you go when you die. So please consider the Companion Chapel. You can get a hold of me here at the Companion Chapel email, companionchapel.gmail.com, or come on out for a Bible study. I'll leave the address at the bottom of the screen. I'm here all by myself today, but it's a nice place here, 77 acres. There's a big garden in the back. There's some trailers here. There's nobody here right now, which is kind of sucks, but if anyone wants to come out for a Bible study every morning, just get a hold of me on the Companion Chapel email. And if you want to help out with the Companion Chapel, it's a registered nonprofit companionchapel.com visa mastercard paypal and it is a registered nonprofit that means any money that comes in here and all can only go back to trying to upgrade some equipment trying to make a nicer set trying to get some advertising out there to help glorify magnify and broadcast god's saving word please turn with me in your bibles to G to uh, john chapter 8 and this is just the greatest thing let's just go through this jesus went unto the unto the Mount of Olives. And early in the morning, he came again into the temple and all the people came to him. Emmanuel, God with us. And what did he do? He sat down and he was teaching the Bible. God wants his children back. They can only be reconciled through the Lord Jesus Christ. And you have to get to know him to love him. Remember what he says in Matthew chapter 7, the most daunting words in the Bible, depart from me. You never took the time to get to know me. You can't romanticize who you think Christ is. Now watch the subtlety here. And the scribes and Pharisees, now the scribes would be like the scripture lawyers, always trying to find loopholes, adding laws, taking away laws, marginalizing laws, God's words, God's commandments. And remember, Proverbs chapter 28, those that turn their ear away from hearing God's laws, that's God's commandments, God's instructions, for us, if you turn your ear away from those, even your prayers are an abomination. And that's a horrible thing. The scribes and Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery. And when they set her in the midst, they said unto him, Master, that's to say, teacher, this woman was taken in adultery, the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. What sayest thou? And they said this, tempting him, that they might have to accuse him. They're just looking to try to point fingers at someone, to prove someone wrong, and to villainize somebody, discredit somebody. And it's the same thing today in this dynasty of censorship of the truth, just marginalizing the truth, smokescreening it. But the truth will always stand. This woman in adultery. You know, adultery was a big deal back then, but now it seems to be glorified, which is unfortunate. And they said she's taken in the very act. You notice there's no other witnesses here throughout this narrative. Jesus Christ is in the temple teaching, and what are the scribes and Pharisees doing? 
Are they looking through windows? That's voyeurism, man. And we know that happened to Daniel too. In Daniel chapter, I forget, where Daniel was saying his prayers. And they were peeking in through the windows. The religious authority back then that was hanging around Daniel, peeking in through the windows, looking for fault, always pointing fingers. Remember that people that go around pointing fingers, not only is that forbidden in the Bible, to have disdain for others, we're supposed to come to an understanding of others. But these people had disdain, pointing fingers, trying to prove other people wrong, will always end up bitter and alone. Even if there's people around, they're alone in their own uneasiness, their own lack of fulfillment. There's an inner void. There's an emptiness. And we pray for these people. Give up that construct that's in your psyche, your spirit, the intellect of your soul. Okay, You put yourself in your own prisons, prisons of jealousies, prisons of trying to prove other people wrong. It's like conversations today. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you why I'm right and if you agree, I win. If you don't agree with me, then I'm going to start being uh, louder than you. I'm going to try and prove my point. Even if it's wrong, I'm just going to try and discredit you. I have catchphrases all lined up that the global media has given me. I'm just going to start to rain down on you. This is what these people do. Okay, so here's how they did in subtlety that such should be stoned. There's the subtlety. There's changing the word of God. That is slander. And that's what... Satan did right off the hop in the first pages of the Bible changing the word of God just in subtlety be very careful open the book and let it speak for itself because Jesus Christ knows their thoughts intents and actions Jesus Christ knows that this woman was not a betrothed damsel that means engaged to be married and that is Deuteronomy 22 and that is a stoning and why would that be a stoning if there's a virgin bride waiting to get married why would God command us to stone a person like that? Because what are they bringing into the relationship? Where there is no praise or presence of God in a household, where God's laws, God's instructions, God's religious authority is not in a household, no human marriage, no human household is secure. It will fall apart like a cheap lawn chair. And what chance do the children have if this was a betrothed damsel? No, she wasn't. She was a wife and the punishment was not stoning but it was a special procedure we're going to read about what they did here what Jesus Christ did that's in Numbers chapter 5 and always remember Matthew chapter 7 Jesus came not to change one jit or jot of the law or the prophets he came to fulfill all the laws still stand it's the laws of the Sadducees and Pharisees of the religious authority today that changes things. They marginalize God's word. They put loopholes in here and they get the catchphrases, Jesus Christ forgives all sin. They forget these words. If you repent, and that means from the heart, we're going to talk about that in a few minutes. So they're trying to accuse Jesus by saying such should be stolen. They didn't say it was a betrothed damsel. They didn't say it was a wife. But Jesus Christ knew this was a wife of some guy's wife. Okay, so he stoops down with his finger, starts writing on the ground. So if you want to read about that, that's Numbers chapter 5. And he's writing curses. Now, the guilty party always convicts himself. The curse would be just the inner guilt. You just have such a guilt. When someone's committing adultery... And it was a big deal back then, but it seems to be glorified now. You have to understand that morals is a benchmark for human virtue, human values, and we're watching the moral decay of society right now. Someone commits adultery, they have to end up, you know, lying, and they're not being true to themselves, they're not being true to God, and it turns into idolatry because their ideologies to justify it is idolatry. Idolatry. 
by committing adultery. And idolatry simply is the spiritual sin, and adultery is obviously the physical sin. Anyway, here's Jesus Christ. He continued. So they continued asking him. Like, they're just on his case. Come on, Jesus. Like, what's going on here? Like, here's the scribes and Pharisees. You know, Jesus was teaching while the lead clergy was peeking in windows. And now, they, now they're on his case. Just running their mouths. He lifted himself up and said unto them, He that is without sin among you, let him cast a stone at her. Cast the first stone. Go for it. And again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Numbers chapter 5, if you would like to read about that. And they which heard it, being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, being the eldest even unto the last. And Jesus was left alone with the woman standing in the midst. Convicted by your own conscience. It's easy to see the closer you get to God. And once you submit with an unquestioning obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ and you surrender your entire existence over to the Lord Jesus Christ willingly, and you ask him to cleanse you of everything of the darkness, everything that offends Lord Jesus Christ and his kingdom, everything that is corrupt to the Lord Jesus Christ and his kingdom, and you pray for the Holy Spirit to saturate your entire existence, for his love to come into your heart. He is your shepherd, you shall not want another. He is your rock, your only stability. And then you seem to always have a linear progression towards the truth, and you can read people's energies through like subtleties their body language it would be like here's an example i'll try and think okay let's talk about bill clinton remember that bill clinton like i did not have sexual relations with that woman i was down at jeffrey epstein's house you know what i mean like you can tell when somebody is caking it on and the guilty party always convicts themselves. There's nothing hid that shall not be revealed. You're not fooling anybody except yourself. So when this lady looks in the mirror, she's going to just feel that guilt, that inner void, that inner just gut-wrenching, I'm not a good person. I, I have to repent. I have to change my ways. There's an inner disgust. And Jesus was left alone with the woman. When Jesus had lifted himself up, and saw none but the woman. He said unto her, Woman, where are thine accusers? Has no man condemned thee? And she said, No man, no Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Now obviously, in the flesh bodies, we're going to sin. But he's referring to this sin. Don't do that again. And he didn't condemn her because he could read her heart. She had repented. Now let's see what repent means here. We'll go to Matthew chapter 21. We're talking about dad and he's... Uh, two spoiled kids here in Matthew 21. Now I know there's a way more in-depth message to Matthew 21 um, with this guy, with his kids. He tells them to go to work and let's just read what they say. But there's, like I said, there's a big, there's an in-depth message here, but just from the top, certain man had two sons and he came to the first and he said, son, get to work, boy. And in my vineyard, and, he, and, the, and the boy answered and says, I'm not, forget it. And then he repented and went and came a second, went to the second kid and said, likewise. And he answered and said, I'll go. And then he was a no show like the kids here. Now, what of these two did the will of the father and everybody staying there said, well, the first one did wrong. Neither of them did because a study from the manuscripts translate through the lexicons. You have to read this word repented. This word repented when this kid repented and he showed up for work. That is the Greek word, metamalomia, and that means the intent or desire to sin is still there, but he repented grudgingly. 
So to have an aftercare or annoyance at the consequences of the act of, of the sin, rather than a deep regret at the cause. Okay, that's why that repenting doesn't count if it's still inside you to do it again. The word, that real word for repent, and this is the lesson here, what this woman did, this adulterous woman, is metanoia. And that means a real change of mind and attitude towards the sin itself. It's just not in you anymore. It's not in your psyche, the construct that you're conscious, you're, it, the, the spirit is the intellect of your soul. That's your reactive attitude that motivates all actions. That's your character, your personality. Jesus Christ judged her by her spirit. And let's read on here. So where did the scribes and Pharisees go? Well, first they skated, and now they came back, and Jesus spake again unto them, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but he shall have the light of life. Jesus Christ is the light. It shines the way, and that light is the truth. And the truth is the great separating force between right and wrong, good and evil, and heaven and hell. This goes back to Genesis chapter 1, verse 14 to 19. Mayor in the Hebrew for the word light, the greater of the two unique light givers. That's a masculine noun that forms a thread through the Bible. And those threads that run through the Bible are for interpretation. Those threads that run through the Bible make up the structural fabric of the key of David itself for understanding and interpretation. When it says the greater of the two unique light givers, that is a masculine noun named Maor, and the lesser of the two unique light givers. Who is that? Satan himself. And what did Satan do? As it's written through the manuscripts, uh, Ezekiel chapter 28, even in the English it comes through, he defiled the sanctuary by slander. That's why they call him the devil, because that's what the devil means. It just means slanderer. So Jesus Christ is that light. And the Pharisees therefore said unto him, Thou bearest record of thyself, thy record is not true. It's, it's, there you have it, right? Mockers and scoffers. The power of a mocker always lies within accusation, never fact. You can see the glow on a mocker's face when you see that glow, and it's always like, it happens to me all the time. Oh, here comes Michael. He's going to talk about the Bible, and you see that glow on the mocker's face. It's always illuminated by their own persistent unbelief, chronic disobedience, and I used to give it to them, and I used to say, I imagine of criticism. It's not even their imaginative criticism. They've picked it up off of some documentary, some Netflix video, or whatever Hollywood influencer or mainstream media influencer that they will allow to meta a train of thought into their mind. Now, there's an interesting word there, meta, and I'm going to go over that right now because meta is a huge word in the manuscripts, in the Greek, and I'll just read what it is from this lexicon here, the Scott Liddell. Meta is a preposition, and this is very interesting because we're talking about our psyche. That's our spirit, the intellect of our soul. We have two energy systems in our body. Now, your soul is an energy. Your spirit is an energy. Together, they make up your identity. But we have two bodies as it's written throughout the Bible over and over. We have this flesh body bound by the laws of thermodynamics. It can exchange physical matter and it goes back into the dirt. What about your spiritual body? It cannot exchange physical matter. Energy cannot be created or destroyed. Don't allow that energy to get distorted. It will give you a scattered energy, a restless energy, an energy full of egotism that you think you know better and you'll become one of these mockers and scoffers like they're here. They'll just say anything to put a Christian back on their heels and sit there with that glow on their face. And we pray for everybody. We pray for the whole human family. As it's written in Matthew chapter 5, happy are those that mourn. 
We're mourning for those that are walking in darkness because there's nothing more important than where you go when you die. And these people just don't seem to care. And that seems to be the commonality of the whole human family. And it's sad. There's hardly, there's so few of us that really care where we go when we die. And as it's written, all the angels rejoice when one of us repents because they want their brothers and sisters back. They're just hanging out right there, just beyond our current understanding and perception of physics waiting for our spiritual body to come back the way God intended us, the way he originally created us. We are just spiritual beings going through a flesh experience right now. This little hundred years or less, look at the affairs of time, infinity forward, infinity back. There's so much hinging on this little hundred years or less. There's nothing more important. Where you go when you die? Your psyche, your spirit, the intellect of your soul, that closed energy system. Energy cannot be created or destroyed. It does not exchange physical matter, but it can exchange information. And that's what meta is. It's a preposition. It means in the midst of this information. It means coming into or among you as a pursuit. Information. Look it up. Study the laws of thermodynamics and look for entropy, information theory, the average level of information that causes anxieties, worries, uncertainty, division, distrust, disorder, hatred. And it comes from being meted a change of condition of the mind. They've weaponized major media with this. They even call it matter the, the audacity of them. Remember, Satan's greatest trick is to fool the whole world into thinking he does not exist. Be careful. It's psychological warfare. It's thought reform to reduce one's ability to think independently, to think critically, to change your opinion, to change your religious authority. That's the first file seal in Trump. So watch it when people will just sit back and say things and try and put you back on your heels. Have a working knowledge of the Bible and that will give you a linear progression towards the truth that answers every logical and moral objection known to mankind. And you will always see that the argument of the heathen is so predictable. It always has to end up contradicting itself. It always ends up with some theory or some imaginative criticism from who knows where and who cares. We pray for these people and just hold your own like Jesus Christ does here. Your record is not true. That's what they Yes, you're not true. Jesus answered and said unto them, Though I bear a record of myself, yet my record is true, for I know whence I came and whither I go, but you cannot tell whence I come and whither I go, because you guys don't know nothing. You just make it up in your mind. You take some of these laws here and you set up a church and act like you're some religious authority and you're just a churchy church, plain churchosity. You judge after the flesh. I judge no man in that manner, is what's being said here. Jesus Christ judges of the Spirit. Now remember, we pray for these people right to the bitter end. We have feel no pleasure when somebody ends up on the hell side because you have to go somewhere when you die. If people with attitudes like this, attitudes of obscene entitlement, fueled by ruthless, unadulterated greed, egotism, pointing fingers, being bitter, not forgiving, if they were allowed in the kingdom of heaven, it would be nothing more than a new hell. It's here and now. You have to come to terms with what is inside of you that fell out of harmony with the universe and it takes humbling to the core what's inside of you that is not conducive to a place of peace beyond our present comprehension and we want to see everybody there God wants his children back to sing for his glory for his pleasure he made us all for his pleasure are you pleasing God don't judge after the flesh don't look at somebody and go that guy there 
this person here, this woman here. You, you can't do that. Now you spot people, and this gets into forgiveness too, because Jesus Christ forgave this lady because you know, she repented. And when people put legacies on people and they don't forgive and they hold grudges, that's a weak person. Because you forgive, not for the other person. You forgive for yourself, you come to an understanding. Okay, consider human frailty and don't get back into that construct again where the person did this to you. Okay, so you forgive so you can let it go. So you can have some inner peace and just consider human frailty. That's what strong people do is they forgive. They don't hold things and they're not holding grudges and pointing fingers because the punishment lies within the sin itself. It's going to give you an uneasiness, an inner burden inside. You're carrying that. The other person doesn't even care. Intelligent people see the construct happening and they govern themselves accordingly. But we pray for everybody. Jesus answered, it's okay. You don't know whether I go. I you, you people judge after the flesh. Yet if I judge, my judgment is true, for I'm not alone, but I and the Father that sent me. Now here's the key here, verse 17. It is also written in your law. Okay, you have to understand that. Your law, the testimony of two men is true. These Sadducees and Pharisees, this religious community, and it's the same thing today, by marginalizing God's laws, God's instructions, you, that's your law now. Like we see churches now, and they see people calling themselves reverend. Well, do you, Reverend is God's name. Psalms 111. Reverend is God's name. In the book of Isaiah, the seven spirits of God. Reverence is one of the seven spirits of God that none of us are allowed to infringe on. And people eating pork when it says in here. Over and over, 11 times, don't eat pork. God's telling us it's a sign of obedience and that animal will make you sick. It does not have the metabolic system to get the toxins out of that flesh. One stomach, no sweat glands, and the things it eats stays in that flesh. And now, only Canada and the United States do this. Like even countries like Russia and China will not do this. Pour ractopamine into the food. And now it's found in women's breast milk. And do a study on ractopamine. It is the same construct as methamphetamine. And they started doing that in the year 2000. God knows. When God tells us not to do something, he knows what's in the heart of mankind. They're pouring ractopamine into the food, and they started doing that in the year 2000. Banned in every country except Canada and the United States, pretty much. And what happens? Have you seen the rate of autism since the year 2000? Have you seen the rate of Parkinson's? Do you know what methamphetamine does to the brain? You people cannot get off their screens they're obsessed they can never have an inner peace they constantly need to be told what to say what to do what to think and we saw that during the pandemic there was no independent thinking or critical thinking and we see that just through obsessive messaging they got meted and that's a cult telling you what to think what to do and giving you all the catchphrases to throw at people and here's the same thing here your law Jesus Christ is identifying their laws. And when we read in the book, like Paul says, the laws don't apply anymore. He's not talking about the laws written in the Bible. Jesus Christ said, I came not to change one jit or jot of the law. I came, or the prophets, I came to fulfill. God's laws still stand in the councils of eternity. God's word was, is, and always will be. The laws of the Sadducees and Pharisees is what Paul's saying. They don't count. Don't worry about those ones, you know. Your law, the testimony of two men is true. So that coincides with 
these laws because they rip off these laws and then they just try and make a big religious community making up their own laws to look more religious I am one that bear witness of myself and the father that sent me beareth witness of me what what else happens in today's religious community today's mainstream religious community you don't hear the Bible being taught chapter by chapter verse by verse but you hear these great swelling words and it looks religious it sounds religious and people just pour money into it because they want to hear these twisted sermons about human merit, human experience, human endeavor, human entitlement. You deserve more in the here and now. We don't deserve nothing. To change God's laws to suit the longings and wantings of the flesh. Remember Genesis 4-7, the curse on Cain. Your desires, your longings and wantings and expectations will rule over you and you'll never get an inner peace. It's never going to be good enough. Things money can't buy like manners, morals, respect, character, common sense, trust, patience, class, integrity. Like the list goes on. You can't buy love. You can't buy faith. You can't buy salvation, inner peace, happiness. Oh, you can buy pleasure. There's no doubt about it. That's not happiness pleasure and happiness you can buy pleasure that's soon to be outdated junk that will never love you back only the love of Christ in your heart will love you back and it will grow all that other stuff is built with a planned obsolescence to play into rich white man's construct to play into your longings and wantings and who is in charge of that the magistrate of the world himself Satan the schoolmaster of the world he is the treasurer of the world he is the prince of the air Ephesians chapter 2 be careful you can't walk with God while you're still holding the devil's hand bear witness of myself and of the father that sent me beareth witness of me that's our job to bear witness of this word that's what the word martyr means in the Greek witness it's the same word great commission spread the seeds of truth help glorify magnify and broadcast God's saving word then said they unto him where is thy father and Jesus answered, You know neither me nor my father. If you had known me, you should have known my father also. These words Jesus spake in the treasury as he taught in the temple. And no man laid hands on him, for his hour is not come yet. That's divine intervention. But what Jesus Christ is saying here is to the same with the lead clergy today. You have to understand, be careful about gaining emotional attachment to your preacher or your church. If it's about groups, if it's about, you know, if you're not being taught the Bible, what are you being taught? This is not a random book of quotes. In the last church I was at, or the church before, I had big screens, rock and roll band, and they kept putting quotes of the Bible up on these screens, and then quotes of mankind. And this guy was nothing more than a motivational speaker. Oh, the adrenaline going through there, the energy in that church, I felt it. And then I would go to my pickup truck after and go like, you know, he's got the whole congregation like 200 people just hanging off every word and they're all biblically literate and i just pray for these people and i offer to run a bible study and it's always like you have no formal training michael i'm like see you later formal training from the manuscripts through the lexicons out from any english version you prefer but they have their construct it's about making money and this is what this church was they don't know god and that's extremely disappointing and sad and as it's written Matthew chapter 5 we mourn for those walking in darkness the Beatitudes what do you mean happy are those that mourn well, we're mourning for those that walk in darkness God wants his children back we're all part of the human family like I say all the time race color of your skin your gender is irrelevant infinity forward infinity back this short little flesh age 
There's nothing more important than where you go when you die. And you better be looking at others, sacrificing for others, loving others, coming to an understanding of others, because that's what it means. Jerusalem, when it's written in the book of Revelation, God calls the eternal temple, the new Jerusalem, and it's the etymology of that word Jerusalem, a place of peace beyond our present comprehension, a place of completeness, a place of perpetual friendship, a place of unity, a place of safety, a place where we've come to an understanding of each other. There's no people pointing fingers up there. There's no Lockheed Martin. There's no Raytheon. There's no weapons of mass destruction up there. Those people are writing their own sentence right now. We pray for everybody. Remember the terrors. You can't take down the terrors because they can repent. But look what they're doing to planet Earth today. Rich white man's construct. Ruthless, unadulterated greed. And we know that we're in the fifth seal vial in Trump. It's the dynasty of censorship of the truth. It's called the killing of the truth, the great apostasy. And as we're sitting here today, waiting for the leader of the central enemy to emerge, all the signs are here. Jesus Christ tells us all things. But here's a great lesson here. Jesus answers saying, you don't know me, you don't know my father, you don't know God. You can't romanticize who you think God is. You can't marginalize God's word. These are the rules. For example, if you get a new job somewhere, say in a factory or a construction site, you will fill out an employee compliance form. There's the rules. You want to work here. You want to serve here. You want to be part of this. These are the rules. You can't go in and just first day of work. Oh, here's my employee compliance form. Yeah, maybe I can do this. No, I'm not following that. Not following that. You get fired. Why? Because it's the same thing here. You will exhaust your caregiver and you get what you deserve. It's like having a family and a kid that just never obeys. And this kid's just too much for the family. Everybody knows a family like this that has a kid like that. And I was one of them. Unless they become the prodigal son, <coughs> excuse me, they eventually exhaust their caregiver. The family gives up on them. God will put you where you deserve to go. And people that submit with an unquestioned obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ, knowing the Father, who art in heaven, sacred is his name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We get to go to the Millennium Temple. We need a break. Those people have exhausted their caregivers, but we're still praying for them because God wants his children back. But it will only be through free will. God will not violate the principles of free will, and you cannot violate the principles of God without consequence. Free will entities simply have to be governed by God's ideologies. Anything ideologies outside of the word of God is called idolatry and who do you think you are mankind has a 100% failure rate at governing themselves we can see it playing out on the world stage today these words Jesus spake in the treasury as he taught in the temple no man laid hands on him yeah yeah Jesus Christ just walked out of there like he owned the place divine intervention then said Jesus unto them I go my way and you shall seek me and die in your sins whether I go you cannot come because you're going to hell, yo. That's all there is to it, all right? And we don't want to see that for anybody. But again, you exhausted your caregiver. Then said Jesus again unto them. No. And, the, and then the Jews, here's, now always remember the difference between Hebrews. That means the language they spoke. Israelites, what is an Israelite? Go to, because anyone, someone said I was a racist and I just about lost my shit, man. I'm telling you. Israelite is in Chapter 9 of the book of Romans. If you want to translate 
what you think a Jew is today, what you think an Israelite is today, what you think a Hebrew is today, from rich white man's construct through the global media, knock yourself out. If you want to know what the Bible says, the only linear progression towards the truth, the only consistent thought pattern out there today, the Word of God, who are Israelites? Biblical definition, Romans chapter 9. To whom pertaineth the adoption? We adopt ourselves back into God's kingdom. Psalm 78, Psalms 114. Israel is his kingdom, his spiritual kingdom. Where we go, this body back in the dirt, spiritual body. Make sure you adopt yourself back into who are the Israelites. That's God's kingdom. And what? how do you get back in there? Glory God. Obey his covenant. We give the law. We obey it. We talk it. We walk it. And we serve God and his promises written in the councils of eternity. That's who Israelites are. Now, if you want to say, who are the Jews? Go into your lexicons. You will see this word here almost every time in the New Testament is an adjective. It's not a race of people. If somebody today, for example, if you don't want to know what the word Jew is, somebody outside the Bible say, I'm a Jew. Well, that's pretty interesting. And that's some pretty good genealogy digging all the way back to brother Judah, one of the 12 uh, patriarchs of the 12 tribes of Israel back then in the Bible. Jacob's kid. If you can trace your genealogy back before Moses, then you can call yourself a son of Judah, as it's written. It's, they don't call themselves Jews. This is the land of Judea. So if you want to say it's a geographical location, a lot of the Gentile people would say, oh, they're Jews because that's where Brother Judah camped out and it, that's the place, and so they called them Jews. But here when it's talking about, said the Jews, we're talking about an adjective that's a trait noun in the manuscripts, and it means the Lee clergy and their followers, their congregation, that are hostile to the Lord Jesus Christ and Christianity. And they're still around today. It's not a race of people. It's a peoples that are hostile towards Christianity. Here are the Jews. Adjective. This is a trait noun. They're saying, this is the lead clergy. Will he kill himself because he saith, whither I go, he cannot come? Like these guys just spirit of stupor right there. And he said unto them, you are from beneath, I am from above. You are from this world, I am not of this world. I say therefore unto you, you shall die in your sins. For if you believe not that I am he, you shall die in your sins. And they said unto him, Who art thou? And Jesus said unto them, Even the same. I've been saying this from the beginning. Who art thou? Emmanuel, God with us, is written. Jesus Christ came in the volume of the book, as it's written in the book of John here, in the beginning, was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word, the word was with God, and the Word became... The Word was with God, and the Word was God, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. He's your teacher, your master, your rabbi, your wonderful counselor. He is wisdom personified. He was there in the beginning before the first atom was formed on the highest part of the dust of the earth when the whole universe was a pulverized dust. Where were we? All God's saying there in Proverbs chapter 8 is and people say to me, well wisdom's feminine in the Hebrew. I say, yeah, all the verbs leading up to it are masculine. It's something God possesses. That's what he possesses. The spirit, the seven spirits of God, what he possesses, the Holy Spirit, the spirit of wisdom, understanding, counsel, knowledge, strength, and the spirit of reverence make up his psyche, his character, his reactive attitude that motivates all actions. That's his personality. So what's being said? 
Jesus Christ is letting them know, listen, man, I was there. Where were we? Go to Psalms chapter 90. We cohabitated with God in the circuits of time before the earth was even formed. What were we doing? Job chapter 38, verse 7. All the stars, that's bright shining life forces, that's us. The sons of God, God's children, God's angels, the hosts of heaven. We were all singing for joy, shouting out in infinite felicity, the whole human family in totality, shouting out and singing for joy together. That's where we were. Now we've been reduced and restricted in these flesh bodies to come to terms with what is inside of us. That is not conducive to where we were before place of peace beyond our present comprehension of infinite felicity of shouting out in exceeding joy not in these nagging nuisance flesh bodies god didn't want to do this to us he didn't want to put us in these flesh bodies he repented that means he sighed with disappointment reduced and restricted in these flesh bodies to pass through the matrix once born innocent of woman in this short flesh age before we get on with the eternity and you write your own sentence where you go as it's written in the book of psalms you get promoted where you go hey, it's up to you now let's see what happens here jesus so you can't come with me because you're going to hell you got the spirit of stupor on you and you do it to yourself and then they said unto him who art thou jesus said i am from the beginning i'm i'm i am emmanuel god with us i have many things to say and to judge of you but he that sent me is true our god is the god of truth and we're living in the dynasty of the censorship of the truth and just be aware of it Jesus Christ told us all things, Matthew 13, Mark 13, I should say, and I speak to the world those things which I have heard of him. They understood not that he spake to them of the Father. Then they said unto Jesus, then said Jesus unto them, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, then shall you know that I am he, and that I do nothing of myself, but as my Father hath taught me, I speak these things. And he, and he that sent me is with me. The Father hath not left me alone, for I do all always those things that please him are you pleasing god what do you mean let's go back to when you lift me is that like literally physically lifting him on the cross that's one thing the most selfless act of love and compassion beyond our present comprehension was calvary at the cross where prophecy became in accordance with the word of god in accordance with reality he was innocent not guilty no guile no mouse no corruption was found in him he took the lowest earthly position for us he suffered for you and because of you he suffered for me and because of me because he was lifted up and once just before he died says satan is coming up in the next couple chapters you got nothing on me no sin penetrated the lord jesus christ's spirit his psyche his intellect and once that blood spilled it gave him the universal right to set up a kingdom of heaven, a millennium temple that will not accommodate evil, will not negotiate with evil. It will not compromise with evil. It is valid. It is legit. It is universally recognized as a place of peace that will not accommodate evil. When you lift them up, remember when a tyrant or a dictator dies, his reign's over, man. When a martyr dies, when Jesus Christ died, his reign just began. And you have a spot in the many-membered body in that millennium temple. It's a priestly kingdom. It's a thousand-year period where we get cleaned up to be the bride of God for that marriage supper where we can, where, you know, and when, God tell, when God's saying that he's, he wants his, us as a bride, that's just an expression of the deepest love he's going to take care of us he wants his children back and if you don't want to go back there he's not going to force you 
it's up to you it's up to the individual and then he said okay what else was in here um, he's not alone remember Matthew 26 53 he's got a whole army of angels right there just beyond our current understanding and perception of physics listen you go somewhere when you die and they're right there we just can't see it in these flesh eyes flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of heaven read Psalm 68 verse 17 too. God will put you in your place their angels are right there watching us they want their brothers and sisters back that's why it's written all the angels rejoice when one of us repents and as he spake these words, many believed on him. Hey, let's stop there for today. That's first, uh, John chapter 8, verse 1 to 30. Wasn't that just the greatest thing? I want to thank you very much for watching. Please email me. Please email me from Ireland, from Africa, from Germany. I see the analytics or whatever they're called, metrics, through the United States, especially Florida, through Virginia, Ohio, way out there in uh, Seattle, Washington. Email me. It means a lot to me. I'd like to hear from you. Questions, comments. Remember, always question always send questions asking about God's Word don't question God's Word and always document what you say from the original language manuscripts translate through the lexicons to understand the true sense meaning and full expression of those keywords the etymology of those keywords runs threads through the Bible the English argument is pointless it wasn't written in English but I've done that for you I've gone exhaustively for decades through these uh, original language manuscripts and I found a pattern I found threads that makes up the structural fabric of the key of David itself for understanding you see the etymology of these key words running patterns and threads through the Bible it's a glossary in there for you for interpretation and understanding and I'm sharing it with you if I've helped you please help me please go to companionchapel.com whatever you can hook me up with or companionchapel at gmail.com there's an e-transfer availability there and please email me just to say hi I want to thank you very much for watching have yourself a great day and bye for now